Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are the three guys who actually are under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Yeah, 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 I'm dancing over here. I love this music. So, it is what, episode 78? I think it's going to be December 17th today, and uh, that, that would be 2010. And today's show is a little pre-holiday, pre-Christmas type thing. Uh, once again, we're not very prepared for this, so I hope uh, we actually put something that's at least moderately entertaining for you guys out there. Uh, we've got a couple things planned here. I don't even know what it is. Not worth mentioning at this point because I would just screw it all up. So, Matt, why don't you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Okay, no problem. This is the one thing that is planned for this episode. We'd just like to point that out. Uh, so by now, I think all of you know that there's a different ways that you can get a hold of us. If you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion about something that you've heard in today's show, or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode. Now, you can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail, which is 623-242-2450. You can also find all three of us on Twitter as at MBW Podcast, at Wood Whisperer, or at Renaissance WW. And we're even on the Facebook, too. And, of course, don't forget, you can catch all of us over causing as much trouble as possible in the forum at woodtalkonline.com. So Mm -hmm. that out of the way, I say we move on to what could possibly be considered the second thing that we planned for, but we could easily mess that up in just about a second here. (laughs) Mark, what's going on on your bench? (laughs) Well, you know, uh, obviously not a whole lot. Um, You know, my lack of preparation for the show is pretty evident, but the good thing is about Wood Talk is it always was meant to be just a conversation between a couple woodworkers. So, you know, we're all sort of, whether we're actually in the shop or not, constantly thinking, reading, or doing something involving woodworking. So I think we could probably do a show at any given time with no preparation and, and you know, put something out there at least reasonably interesting for woodworkers. Yeah, I've I been doing that for that two right. years. So <laughs> That's called the Renaissance Woodworker. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we'll just head over to the Renaissance Woodworker. We'll just look at his stuff. We'll come back and discuss that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a good idea. How to, how to make a podcast with no plan. <laughs> but um, as far as my bench, there's really no woodworking going on. Once I finished the, the trestle table, it was time to take a break and focus on some other things. And uh, the ebook that I'm, I'm putting together now on, um, what is it on? Finishing and finishing mm-hmm. pitfalls. That's something that is... Nearing completion, so I'm at the point now where I'm doing the supplemental uh, links and the supplemental videos that are going to go with this ebook. So um, that's yeah, that's been uh, keeping me pretty busy. Do you I have think any those idea? Are, those are successful just because it's fun to say ebook, ebook, ebook. <laughs> uh, and the cool thing is, it really is an interesting. Like in terms of actually making a true book, I'm not sure how much that appeals to me. I mean, Nicole's been bugging me for years to to try to write something. And I've just never really had interest in that whole process. And now the the concept of self-publishing something and having it more multimedia, uh, you know, packed and jam-packed with information is so much more my speed that it's like, yeah, yeah I don't know, maybe I'll try it. You know, let's take a reasonably small topic and, and uh, see what I can do with it. Um, and so far, so good. I'm, I'm actually enjoying the process. But, you know, I think this one, don't tell anybody, but I think I might put this out there and just not charge for it. And we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. Is it is it a choose your own adventure? It is yes. Uh, yes. If you uh, <laughs> would you like to apply shellac or polyurethane? Uh, polyurethane. Turn to page forty five. You've screwed up the polyurethane. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> Go back to page one and start all over. <laughs> yeah, so it should be pretty cool. But um, frankly, we're gearing up now for the guild build, which is coming up in January. So the it's sort of the calm before the storm here. And January one, I think I'll probably start 
of getting some sawdust flying in the shop, and I'll be back to my woodworky normal situation. Nice. Now, the ebook. Do you have any idea when you're looking to publish that at? I'm, how, well, are you? How far into it? So here's the good thing: when you do all this stuff yourself, when it's done, it's done. So, right. Um, at this point, it the first draft is already done. I sort of need to go through and do that sort of. You just look at it and say, ah, did I miss a little anecdote that I could have thrown in there? Or could I make this a little bit more interesting or more funny or more informative? Um, so I'm at, I'm at that point where I'm just kind of fine-tuning everything now. Um, okay. We got uh, Charles Neal to do a little foreword, believe it or not. So it's a little ebook, so it has a little foreword. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> and I figure, you know, he, he's, he's kind of a, a great person for that just because he's also in this uh, internet realm of things but has – you know, 30, 40 years of experience in the finishing world, you know, so right. I thought he'd be a good person for that. Yeah, you know, the, the, the one thing I really like about the, the whole idea with the eBooks is I, from what I've seen, and I have very little experience with them to be quite honest with you, but I think more of the, the author really comes out in it versus where a traditional, you know, print book usually have an editor in there mm-hmm. really kind of like nipping this, nipping that. And sometimes I don't think you, you get the personality of the author and a lot of times, the main reason why I'm reading a book is because I like that author, and I, right. I you know, I, I connect with them on a different level. So I'm really kind of, I'm really curious to see when this comes out, how it how it ends up. That's actually a really good point. If you think about like any, and I don't want to, you know, point fingers here, but I think there's one obvious one that comes to mind for me, and that's anything by Taunton seems to almost have a unified voice mm-hmm. in a way as far as tone. Do you have like by reading the finishing, uh, what is it? Not understanding finishing, that's Flexner, but the other one, whatever the main finishing book is that Taunton produces. Yeah, that that series, you know, like all the, the joinery one. The exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, the, that, the real pretty yeah. ones. The blue um, book one. Yeah. The blue book. Do you do you get any vibe or any clue or inkling to what Jeff Jewett's personality is like? No, Ooh. not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that's intentional, you know, but I, I no. think people like us, you know, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I like to know a little bit about the person who is writing this thing and you know, what makes them tick? And I don't just want a reference book. I want a little bit of a story. And you right. you're right. You don't get those with print very often. Yeah. And I see that sometimes in their article, not not to pick on them by any means whatsoever. But when, when you read their articles from article to article, it's almost like it's the one author writing it the same exact way. Yeah. I mean, I know Hendrick and I read his articles in Fine Woodworking and it's nowhere near what he's typically like, right. thankfully, sometimes. Uh, but then like uh, knowing <laughs> Jeff Miller. Um, what are you trying to say, Matt? <laughs> well, I meant that totally in a long winded <laughs> way. And he knows that, too, because he laughs about it and pokes fun at himself just in case you're listening. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> say, did you just throw your guest expert under the bus? On Don't. The recording? I, I, hopefully it's a, an ongoing joke or I'm the only one that gets it when the two of, them, uh, two of us are talking. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, let me save you there, Matt, because I'll agree. Hendrick is a wealth of knowledge and that comes through in his productions. His DVDs are very long winded. I don't know that that's a bad thing because for, you know, for certain people in certain uh, parts of their learning curve, you need all of that detail and you need someone who can take the time to present it that way. So it's, it's a good thing, but he's certainly long winded. I think think it's personally great because the last couple of videos I put out in hand tool school have been like epically long, but they're, they're not even close to Hendrix. So I feel, I feel okay. Yeah. He sets a nice high bar. Ooh, I just passed an hour and 15 minutes. I should probably edit that out. Yeah. You know what? Hendrick did 10 hours. I'm good. (laughs) I know. I I always see something like I said, I tell them all the time. I'm like, it is when you're watching one of your videos, it is like I'm in the shop with you 
Um, the nice thing is I can get away when I'm watching the video. If I'm in the shop with you, there's probably no way in the world I can get away without it being really obvious. Or it might be very rude if you just turn your back to him and start doing something else. Yeah, <laughs> like go to his to refrigerator. <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, so, we but got off. Yeah, anyway, off, uh, so. <laughs> what the heck were we talking about? So, oh, yeah, yeah, Matt, what are you doing in your shop? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We haven't even gotten past that point. Oh, man, now turn the tables on me, literally. Okay, well, the first thing, um, I, 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 of course, have, have finished the breeze plane. I'm now moving on to, uh, Samantha was asking me to, to build just like a small, it, a coffee table is what it really is, but it, it's more or less along the style of a bench. Now, it, it's not my original design. She found this in, in a catalog and was like, I really like this. Do you think you could do something? And I said, well, of course I can. Um, <laughs> can I put a little spin on it myself? And she Gave me a little bit of leeway on it, but not much. Uh, making it out of poplar, and of course, we all know that's the the cheap, ugly wood. But um, <laughs> uh, that's beside the point. But anyway, so I, I'm working on this. I I don't think I'm going to be documenting it for the show. I kind of wish I had, but now I'm like halfway into it, and it's almost at this point. I can't really go back and redo some things because I need to keep moving forward on it. But that's mm-hmm. that's the big project that I'm working on right now. The other. Big thing for me, at least. Let's see. How long did I, I keep putting off the, the breeze hand plane? Was that 18 months? At least. 20, something like that? Yeah. Yes. Well, the other big thing that I've been putting off for a long time now was the new website uh, was up and running in January 2009. I still had all that content from 2006 up to that point, which I never quite finished moving over. In fact, it's not even finishing. I just simply never moved it over. The past week, week and a half... I've been moving everything. And as of this point right now, if you were to go to my website, you'd hit the archives. Stuff's actually going to come up. You can see the, the videos in there. You can see the audio. And this was this is one of those talk about like long winded and stuff. I've been listening to some of the older content, which is just makes me want to retire right now because I think I've embarrassed myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jeez. So, yeah, it, there, there's a, a ton of it out there. And it's going to be nice because now I can finally completely get rid of the old site shut that down, have everything concentrated, and uh, be the, a one-stop resource for all things Matt's Basement Workshop, which I know is what people have been looking for. They've for been demanding it, yes. I mean, they. I get emails all the time, like, when is Matt going to get this stuff together? Um, yeah, and, and Samantha actually is getting it over at her website, too. You know, like, <laughs> hey, um, could you put in a word to your husband to move his... <laughs> that's uh, That's actually a lot of work, man. That's, you know, you've got a lot of episodes in the back catalog, so I, I do not envy that process at all. Yep. Yeah, no, right now, yeah. I, I'm, I'm halfway through 2008, and luckily, at some point, apparently, about a year or so ago, I thought I was going to go backwards, so I started at the end of 2008, so I've managed to everything's in there. I just need to tweak it now. And yeah, I was thinking, Oh my, I, I ended up deleting a few things that I'm like, people don't really need to know, know this. We'll get rid of this old episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, you got the power. You're in a man with the power. I have my moments. I actually, I need to like start teaching my kids how to do some coding and I'll just be like, here, here's, here's a dollar. There you go. Put them oh. to work. That's smart. Yeah. Shannon, your... what's going on in your shop, homeboy? Uh, Christmas gifts. Um, you know, it's lathe season. Because mm-hmm. it's that's the only way I could ever possibly get anything done in time to be delivered for Christmas. Yeah, no kidding. Is, is my my instant project machine? Mm-hmm. Just put it in there, chuck it up, spin it, and throw the finish on. So it's nice. every year. It's you know I tell myself, well, I'm not going to do any pins this year, and then I get requests. I actually get some sales, and I end up doing thirty or forty every single year, um, wow. which has actually declined. I broke a hundred like 
three years ago, Jeez. and it's been on the slight decline ever since then. Dude, I got crazy. to the point where I, I just loathe my lathe by the end of December. It's like, <laughs> the lathe goes away in a corner until about June. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and even then, it's like, okay, I want to turn like a furniture leg on it. I don't want to turn anything small. But I actually played a, um, been playing around with uh, bowls. I, I've turned them before. I just don't really do them that much. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, all I have is a mini lathe, so the, the um, clearance is kind of low. Right. Um, but honestly, when you chuck up a big block on a lathe, it scares the crap out of me. Yeah, so that can be. You're not going to find me turning big bowls and platters anyway. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'll just watch David Marks do that stuff. That's bad enough. <laughs> you you but, can make like those little finger bowls, like, you know, off to the side where you like you, you dip them like after you've had some ribs or some you know, chicken wings. You have like the little, you know, you could have the Shannon bowl. And the thing right, that you know, put like the pickles in or something like that? Little. Yeah, they, yeah little relish bowls. Well, there you go. A wasabi bowl. Good idea. That's nice and safe to turn. <laughs> yeah, so I'm making little things like that. I actually cool. um, made, and I've got a, a video that I'm editing right now, just this little um, like compact mirror. Mm-hmm. My whole family is is nothing but women, basically. My my wife's family, uh, my father-in-law is like the, the only testosterone in that family for like nine generations. Not wow. sure how that works. I was going to say, how do you guys, how does <laughs> that work? All right. You guys are either aliens I need, or to, make, I need to rethink that statement. But regardless, <laughs> it's like little things to go into stockings. And it's, it's you know, I've got all these little compact mirrors with this inlaid uh, circle of uh, of wood on it. And it's this tiny, tiny little space. So I needed like the perfect thing. So I picked up this block of Mboinia Burl, however you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. That stuff is sweet. Yeah. It's, it's just sick. Um, well, it is. It's a disease. It's diseased it, wood. <laughs> it, it, it's it's amazing and such a tiny little surface. I couldn't see using a wood like that for anything else. Yeah. Um, over a large surface, it would just be so busy and just kind of tacky. Um, but it's pretty cool on such a small surface. So I'm 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 hoping ideally to get that video up this weekend. Um, instead of last year when I did the Christmas project video on like the 28th of December. <laughs> Might be a little too late, folks, but here you go. <laughs> and I think I actually like opened it that way. Hey, if you're really late on your gifts, this might help. You know? It's hard. It's tough because when you actually try to, to, you know, present something like this, you've got to be way ahead of everybody else. So you're thinking, I mean, really August is about the time you should probably start working on holiday stuff if you're going to do a video. And that's, that's a little difficult to do. Yeah. Get yourself in that mindset. Well, cool, man. That sounds good. Um, you know what I just remembered? We had discussed this early in the week, and hopefully you, you guys both had a chance to watch this. Did you both get to see the movie that I talked yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. That's watched good. It last night, in fact. I, in fact, I ushered the kids out and said, Daddy's got to watch a movie. And a they're movie. like, Mom doesn't like it when you watch those. I'm like, no, not shut up and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a movie that we wanted to review, and I actually reviewed it on, on uh, the website, so anyone who's read the blog lately knows how I feel about it. But uh, I found this just kind of cruising around on YouTube, looking at, I was hunting for people who like to take my videos and re-upload them for, uh, for you know, other things, which is not cool. So I saw this one thing that mentioned Jesse Ventura, and I'm thinking, oh, is this like one of those Jimmy Carter things where it's like a famous dude that does woodworking and nobody knew about it, and they just did a story on him? And I'm looking around, I'm like, ah, it's probably nothing big. So I keep doing what I was doing, and it just kept popping up. So I took a look at it, and it was the uh, trailer for this movie. And it was a movie that was released this year called Woodshop. And I, first of all, was wondering, number one, how did none of us ever hear of this? Like, they... You would think if your show is or your movie is about woodshop that somehow the online internet woodworking community would have been aware of it. Right. Yeah. 
And I haven't heard, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't heard anybody say anything about this movie. And it's been out for several months now. Yeah, I, I didn't hear about it until you mentioned it. And even then I was still kind of skeptical. I was, I, I thought the first thing, the same thing you did too about, well, oh, I didn't know Jesse was a, a woodworker. That's kind of cool. We'll add him to yeah, the list. Right, exactly. Um, so I don't know what the deal was, but uh, I took a look at the the preview and it looked just your typical sort of teen angst, teen experience kind of thing, but just taking place in a wood shop. So I was like, you know, we have got to watch this and then talk about it on the show. So it's about an hour and a half long. It features Jesse the Body Ventura, also a governor. And uh, is he still a governor? I haven't. He's not anymore. So he's right. No, he's moved on. Probably working thank on his you, Nicole. acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nicole. He's just pure commentator now, much like us. Yeah, exactly. So he's uh, he's in this movie and he does great. I mean, he's actually one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie, I thought. But uh, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this because I wrote a whole big thing on it. So uh, maybe well, you know, I, somebody, I think... somebody sum it up so that that we don't spoil anything, but just sum up the story for him. I said this to you guys earlier in an email. I was I was really skeptical because any movie with Jesse Ventura without a minigun is one that I'm just really not interested in. <laughs> I mean, ever since Predator, it's just yeah. been, you know, it's been downhill for him. He, right. he has to have a minigun in all his movies. Yeah. Well, if you include the, the pin nailer, which was used at one point to assemble a gun rack, I guess that could be a minigun if you, know, you really really think about it. In a way, in a way. Well, basically, we're looking at a situation where it's just a, oops, my backup is going. Let me stop that. Stop backing up. Time machine always has the worst timing, ironically. Beep. Okay. Beep. So, uh, yeah, so basically it's a story of a teenager who's uh, he's in high school. He's college bound, Ivy League college bound and. Uh, has a big screw up in the chem lab, blows something up. He gets in trouble and he has to serve detention. And his detention is woodshop detention, which is hilarious yeah. in and of itself. And he, yeah, he's it, played by what? Anthony Michael Hall? Or uh, no, that was Emilio Estevez. No, wait. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> and this, this is what I alluded to in my review. It basically is the breakfast club that yep. takes place in a, a library. And, and my summary of it was, it's it's like the Breakfast Club only in a wood shop, and it's kind of like the breast, Breakfast Club only it's not a cult hit, and it kind of sucks. You know? Yeah, and I, I and I promise I came to that conclusion before I read your. your <laughs> it's I, I mean how could I was you... watching and I was like, this is the Breakfast Club yeah. with sawdust. You you basically got the nerd, you've got a, a jock, you've got the goof off, you've got the the hippie stoner dude, you've got the sort of ambiguous weird chick. And they're like, she's there. exactly. Yeah. She's kind of pretty, you know, like if she did herself up a little bit, she'd be even you know hotter, but she, right now she's kind of dumpy, but you know, so it, it's this same kind of classic story, but has the most ridiculous twist at the end that just, you know, is kind of the icing on the crap cake. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I'd say I got about, I got about halfway through it and then I started and I was having a hard time cause I was trying to figure out, you know, if I fast forward it just a little bit, would it be funnier or, <laughs> or how, how would this work? I mean, would some of the, the shenanigans be funnier in fast forward, but mm, not so what, much. what's funny is I, the, I think the plot idea is to like, like breakfast club where there's all these people from like different cliques in high school and you find out they all have common ground. And right. you know, there's that warm fuzzy moment. They try to do the same thing here, but they do it through flashbacks. And what I find is really funny is the major plot element, the thing that actually ties it together, is done with these child actors, which tells me they had no budget whatsoever. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. now it's time for the real scene, so pay this kid five bucks an hour and have him do it. Right. And these these child actors are just 
awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> awful. And it doesn't help that the writing is awful as well. So it's well, the the parents of the the children in those scenes are also awful. Like the the regular oh, actors are oh, not yes. that bad, you know. But when they go to the flashbacks, just total absolute terrible acting. <laughs> I mean, in a hilarious <laughs> way. SNL skit or something. You yeah, just, you think they're they're doing it on purpose. It's so bad. Now, I mean, the thing was, I wanted to talk a little bit about the woodworking and stuff that's in here because, I mean, right. this is not the kind of movie that you should watch and then critique based on how whoop, Nicole's got to run to get her cookies. Um, <laughs> the to to do, like sort of critique on how dumb all the safety stuff or how dangerous everything was because that's a given. I mean, we've got kids who are going to be fooling fooling around in a wood shop. Things are going to be very dangerous. So I don't want to criticize it based on that because that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. So yeah, cuz they they pretty much at some point hit every uncomfortable moment with a power tool that you can think of. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about you but there was the one scene uh with 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 the cool kid when he's cutting on the table saw and mm-hmm. I know it's purely the angle that they had the camera but I suddenly realized all those people that have ever written me that said, you know, your blade's off, it's bother your blade guard's off, it's bothering me the way you're holding it, your hands are too close. I actually found myself like clinching on the couch watching him going, "Oh god, I hope this isn't like a scene where they like lose something on purpose." Yeah. Well, that one that one scene where they first show uh, like you said, the cool kid who's making a cut on the table saw. A couple interesting observations. First of all, was that it was you could just kind of tell the person who made this movie had a love for woodshop. You know, maybe right. it was like in high school or whatever it was, because the scene of that kid cutting the piece of wood, nothing happened, and there was no you know sort of relevance to the story. But they focused on him cutting that piece of wood for the entire cut. And I, yes. I, I felt like I was watching one of my one of my videos. I was like, this is really weird. Like, why are they showing us so much of this guy just making a cut? Right. It's yeah. really and, odd. <laughs> you know, the other thing I loved was the descriptions in there. There's like a whole scene in the wood closet where he goes into like the technical terms of one board foot would be. Yeah. And he goes into the description. Yep. And this is like a part where you could easily throw some stupid comment in there. But it wasn't. It was absolutely, you know, this is exactly it. We don't mess with this you can mess with right. everything else but don't mess with these terms and don't mess with this <laughs> uh if anyone who's watching a live feed can see nicole's giant uh solid piece of peanut brittle before Holy it was cats. broken nice we're sending that to you matt that's just yours that's perfect that's i love awesome. peanut butter brittle <laughs> um okay yeah so anyway and the other thing like you said in the in the uh wood room i guess it was I thought it was hilarious that there was attention paid to details like uh, you're the noob. You have to use the poplar and, right. you know, and the right. kid picks the piece of purple heart up, which, you know, was, again, very real because it's got some nice big burn marks down the side. Yeah, <laughs> uh, He's basically like, why can't we use this? And it's like, no, that's the shop teachers. No one can use that. Right. <laughs> All right. So dangerous crap that we saw in there. There were two things that made me really cringe and beyond just like okay this was a staged thing the the fact that it was actually really dangerous for the actors as well and right. i don't know that they realized just how dangerous it was um the kickback was yes. a huge one did you guys get any indication considering it's a low budget film that that was uh, somehow you know faked i mean that was real 100% kickback did you get that same feeling i don't know it came i, I mean I guess I've never experienced kickback like that. And for those who haven't seen it, basically kicks back across the room and shatters a window. Perfectly through the window too. I mean, it was a perfect shot. There's there's no arc whatsoever in that board. Like, 
I don't care how far, how hard you throw it, gravity will pull it a little bit. So I wonder if it was on a wire. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm killing the movie magic here, but you're killing it for know. me. Stop it. <laughs> it. It looked it looked a little bit off. That and the fact that it didn't look like it was. Well, I mean, I guess technically it was kickback, but it wasn't kickback because it was pinched. It was just kickback because he had it halfway through the cut and just let it go. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still undecided about it. Like so. Yeah, and I said I don't really know for sure whether it was what it looked like, but at the same time, prior to the kickback, the kid basically is trying to feed it through and sees the push stick is all the way on the other side. You know, it's like ten feet away. So he moves over to the right side of the saw while holding the the wood with his left hand. And the the sort of hippie kid is behind him, bending down at face level with the board, just kind of like, oh, what's going on? And it was like, I don't care what's going on. There was a real piece of wood. The saw blade was moving and some kid's face was in the line of fire. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like that was another clinch moment for me where I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And the other thing is there were also people in the back of the room. They weren't right behind the, the sort of line of fire, but off to the side where I don't care. Like if I were, was an actor in that scene, I would have had someone else stand in. I would not be anywhere within the back sort of, you know, <laughs> the whole back half of the room is a danger zone as far as I'm concerned when you know a kickback is about to happen. Right. right. So. We, you know, there was there was another scene kind of in there, and, um, and again, this doesn't really ruin anything, but with with the hippie kid and like the the flashback to why he's not allowed to do anything other than just pick up the sawdust. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite was the the planer and his poncho. I know that one was just like, oh my god! <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, the scene is this kid getting sucked into a planer because it catches a, a portion of his poncho and just sucks, you know, pulls him in. That's another scene. Where, and the other thing, I'm watching it on YouTube, so I can't necessarily pause it and go like frame for frame to see what's actually happening. But that looked kind of scary too. Like yeah. bl- even if they took the blades out of that thing, I would be freaking out if I was being pulled into a planer. Right. <laughs> you know, it, there was another scene um, with the uh, the awkward girl, and when she was on the lathe. I, since I don't do any type of lathe work, how many times have you worked with a, a file on your uh, um, your wood while you're doing that? Because at first. I thought she was, was using that a file. Yeah, I thought it was a draw knife at first, but I couldn't. I tell. thought was it was a draw a knife too, and then I saw. I actually thought it was like one of those um, straps that's almost like a slightly flexible sanding strap. Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that too. But it looked a little too a little too rigid to be one of those. So I don't know. The bottom line is, it was <clears> the whole <throat> thing with the girl. Not a good choice of words. Actually, in this case, I think it's perfect because that's <laughs> just, what this, just watch the movie, people. The whole point of this girl's like that wood nicely. Yeah, I mean, she's got this fetish for this stuff. It was which is just really weird because she turns out to be like the wholesome, you know, girlfriend type person in the end. But anyways. Right. Um, so that is very disturbing, but overall, in terms of a, a woodworker seeing this movie, I, I personally think it's, it's funny in a way, like some parts mm-hmm. are funny and it's worth watching because I don't know, maybe you guys have uh, talked to people who've said this, like, oh, woodworking should be in more, you know, mainstream stuff. And I think a movie like this kind of tells you why it's not. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is the type of thing as a woodworker, I can watch it maybe once a year and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just love that there's there's a point in the movie where the the nerd kid, the Anthony Michael Hall kid, and the Jeff Spicoli kid, the hippie kid. Sorry, I watched too many '80s movies. I guess <laughs> that uh, Jesse Ventura is like trying to give them something to do, and so far they've determined that they're just losers and everything. So he gives them a flipping router. He's like, <laughs> "Here, go go freehand a sign with this." Yeah. But what's funny is he's giving them the tutorial on the router, and behind him is the hand tool cabinet, and it's like. <laughs> You know, you want these guys to be safe. Give them a 
file or something, you know, I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's some hand saws and like, well, the chisels is probably not a good idea, but I mean, there's like this wall of marking gauges and thing behind him and he pulls out a router and, yeah. and it was a big router too. It wasn't like a trim router or something. No, it was no. probably, a, you know, one and a half horse or two horse router. And he's like, <laughs> take this piece of pine, excuse me, <clears throat> take this piece of pine, go over there and carve your name. That was the worst Ventura. Uh, it was good. It was good. Good <laughs> so, attempt. That just cracked me up. Uh, yeah, was... and to have him do it freehand of all things. You I mean you yeah. don't trust the kid with anything else, but you're going to give him a router and tell him to do it freehand. <laughs> just... Yeah, I just loved it. It's, it's like this is the tool that you are least likely to kill yourself with. Um, but remember, this this bites. Don't touch it. <laughs> the one that spins the absolute fastest and get a control the most, but it, it's least likely to kill you. You know, that, that brings up a good point because I think the, the router, at least for me when I was getting like my feet wet with power tools, was, was the... very intimidating? Well, not at first because at first it was deceiving because it did seem like a rather safe tool. And then once you, you know, do a climb cut, where you go the wrong way or hit too much wood, you realize how dangerous that tool really is. And then all of a sudden you really respect it. But until yeah. that point, I, I don't know about you guys, but I totally underestimated what a router was capable of doing in terms of like, you know, safety and danger. Oh, not me. I was intimidated from the moment I brought it home. In fact, I remember sitting at the store and it, it, for <laughs> me, it felt a lot like how I feel when I'm sitting in line uh, trying to wait for a roller coaster and I really don't want to go on it. I remember that's how I felt like, I, why am I buying this? Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. This is a scary tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, either way, uh, I would say, you know, for general audience, I don't know that your family is going to want to watch this with you. It's also got some adult themes and language and stuff that, that I don't think is good for, for kids, but. And, and items. Adult and items. items. Yeah. Adult products. Innuendo yeah. and stuff along those lines. Made, yeah. made from right. mahogany. Yeah. But now, there, there's one more thing I, I, I need to ask about this movie. Mm -hmm. um, having met Bob Lang in person, does Jesse Ventura with the uh, the ponytail <laughs> not look like a little bit like a steroid rid? Steroid and about like 75 or 100 more pounds. Yeah, that's, yes. there's a possibility there. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, that's all I kept thinking last night. In fact, I would I would start laughing. I'm like, oh my god, it's Bob. It's Bob. <laughs> Yeah, and I have to say there were only uh, two times that I actually laughed out loud in this. I mean, some of it was pleasant to watch, but, you know, it wasn't super funny. But one was when the girl was at the lathe and they were encouraging the nerdy kid to, you know, do rude things behind her. And just right. his as he was getting encouraged and then he winds up getting caught, which was hilarious. That made me laugh out loud. And then actually in the beginning when, when – uh, uh, Ventura walks in and he's, you know, says that, uh, you know, thank, just something about the thought of this was so typical or stereotypical, I should say, about costing him another weekend's fishing. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Which is totally the bitter, you know, breakfast club teacher coming in who really does not want to be there on a Saturday, but because of you, you know, stupid kids, I got to be here type thing. Right. You know, the thing that actually made me laugh the most and what's ironic is it had absolutely nothing to do with the movie. I'm watching this in YouTube and there's there's a scene where, you know, again, spoiler alert, sorry, there's a scene where the kid actually cuts his finger off on the bandsaw. Mm -hmm. And as that was happening, the um, sidebar ads in YouTube are it's not the sidebar ads, the suggested views on YouTube uh -huh. suggest a bandsaw tuning and usage video on the side. <laughs> like, That's awesome. That is perfect. There's this kid that chops his fingertip off using the bandsaw. And then over in the right is bandsaw usage and maintenance. Man, they really got that dialed in, huh? Like the uh, perfect awesome. advertising. That's great. 
Now, I, I, Mark, I think I remember you saying this, and mm-hmm. um, I'm the same. I didn't even have wood shop in high school. Right. We, we didn't. We didn't have one at all. No, mm-hmm. neither did we. And um, I actually, uh, for those that noticed that this was filmed in Boulder, Colorado, I went to college in Boulder. I didn't go to high school in Boulder, so I don't know what high school this is. It didn't look like Boulder High to me. Yeah. Um, it was a. It was a high school out out away from the Flatirons a little. So who knows which one it was. But I mean, it was a real school, so it was yeah. obviously oh, yeah. a real school wood shop, and it was pretty well equipped. I mean, just yeah. the lumber room in and of itself was pretty sweet. Yeah, no, um, I thought it, I was pretty I, impressed. I wonder for those that actually had wood shop in high school, like how accurate was this? Um, <laughs> you know, if you got that stereotype of the wood shop teacher. I just yeah, wonder, yeah. you know, the they. They were constantly throwing around little blocks of wood. Is that something that would happen in high school woodshop a lot? <laughs> well, that's yeah, what the one kid's like. <laughs> the one kid's like sole thing that he did. The one of the goofball kids was sitting there at the bandsaw with strips of plywood, cutting little one by one squares so they could have their war as soon as the teacher leaves. <laughs> Which was like fantastic, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, they seem whatever school that is is well funded because number one, they have a woodshop program. You know, yeah. and it's also got decent tools inside of it. So I don't know. I'd be curious to know how accurate it was too. Definitely. Um, what else does it gonna? Oh, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, if crap, I lost my train of thought. It was oh the if, the. Do we think Judd Apatow was gonna make a version? Man, that would be really cool. <laughs> did Did you happen to notice that the video quality was stellar, but the audio quality sounded like most most of it was you know done with a room mic where some of the audio was actually difficult to understand the dialogue yeah you, you know what i kept running into and I, I i i'm assuming it has to be my connection but i tried it on uh two different computers is it went hardcore japanese monster movie on me yeah to the point where they would say something and then the sound would come in three seconds later mm-hmm. yep i had that yep. too and i had a bunch of stutters and stops the whole way too which was really yeah. annoying um, but yeah, you know, I found out that they filmed it with totally off topic here, but with the red one camera, the really super high definition, I can't red remember. Rom. Yeah, red ROM. Right. But so no, I, I, like really, I agree really that the video itself did look great. It, yeah. it really did. And it, it was fun. I, as a woodworker, it was, it was a fun, fun movie to watch. But, <laughs> but once again, answering that question of should we do things in mainstream that involve woodworking? Um, well, they got to be done better than that if, if you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it being a uh, like a Tuesday night or a Thursday night comedy lineup on NBC soon. But No, most likely not. Um, all right. Well, that's enough of that. Um, what else do we have here? It looks like Shannon did his homework and Matt did too and Mark did not. So do you guys have some uh, articles that you wanted to point out there? I'm grabbing a magazine so I can get one while you're talking. <laughs> sure. I suppose I should probably open that Google Doc, huh? So. Uh, you might want to. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll go, I, ahead. I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, just quickly, I know this one. Um, they, if anybody saw the uh, Chris Schwartz shop tour, again, here I am being the Schwartz um, uh, fanboy. But uh, the, the one thing that I got from his shop, I mean, it absolutely looks gorgeous. Great for him for being able to, to, to upgrade it and have the, what he has in there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. I'm most envious of number one, the large windows that he has in there, all that natural light. Mm-hmm. Oh, Being yeah. in a basement, I mean, my old one, my old shop had bigger windows than I have right now. And in fact, where the shop is, I have no windows on that half of the basement. And I really miss having some of that natural light coming in. But more importantly, I, I, I would love to have that wooden floor. I don't know if, yeah. I mean, I, I have a cement floor and just spending a few hours on it, even with the floor pads, my feet, my back is killing me. 
having worked at Jeff Miller's place just for like, you know, I, I went there a couple of times for some uh, uh, weekend classes or a day class. Mm-hmm. His whole shop is all wooden floors. And not once when I left there did my back feel anything like what it does. The eight hours there feels nothing like what my back feels after just a few hours on my cement floor here. Yeah. So yeah. when I saw Agreed. this floor. Agreed. just makes a huge difference. It really does. I got those pads on my concrete floor, and they do make a difference, but they're kind of inconvenient. You can't roll stuff over them. They don't, you know, they're almost sometimes in some cases too cushiony. Yes, um, yep. You know. But, yeah, it, I think it did great, and I actually – um, did a interview with him actually, what is it like two years now? It was a while ago, yeah. but I have mm-hmm. a really good video of his shop, the old way. And it does have that sort of dungeony, you know, below ground look to it. And he really, really brightened it up. And I think just that alone, just the floors and some paint on the walls and everything looks tremendous. Yeah. yeah that, I agree. I've thought about that doing a little whitewash in my area to help bounce more light off. That would, that would be really cool. Of course, yeah. Then it might make it difficult for videos because, well, we know how that whole white balance kind of yeah, thingy goes. Yeah. You got to do some sort of off-white, slightly, you know, dampened white color because that will kill your videos. Yeah, or Matt, just you're red looking walls. a little anemic. <laughs> oh, that's right. You got you have red walls, don't you? I have red walls. Red rum. <laughs> Sucks up the light a little bit, but I've discovered that it does pretty good for video. And you can also use the uh, space if you need to go into a different area of uh, video entertainment. There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey. Sorry about that. Nice. Nice. It's the eggnog well, talking. Well, one thing, Um. well, one little announcement and one of the things that not many things have been on my bench is some of you know I actually got a new job and I actually work for a lumber distributor now. I'm right the oh. director of internet marketing for... Um, J. Gibson McIlvain Lumber. It's a uh, 250-year-old lumber company. And, yeah, I've, um, seen, I've seen some of those tweets coming through, and I have to tell you, I have to really censor some of my tweets back to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I made a lot of enemies in the last two weeks. <laughs> nice. I can't help myself. I mean, getting a tour of the uh, kiln today was just freaking cool to be able to see Wait. how that works. But anyway, that's awesome. Um, the the point. The the point is, is we get all kinds of little samples and things. And sometimes there's just projects that are, are not projects, products that we're just not interested in. So what do we do with the samples? And I managed to find out today, and a lot of them are flooring samples. So I'm, I'm hoping I can procure like enough samples that I can actually do my shop one of these days with the cast offs. Oh, it's no, going to be like the, the most patchwork quilt looking shop floor in the world. But I think that's <laughs> a good character. Be, dude, you know, that would look great. I mean, that's kind of a cool idea for a shop. Yeah, some Pacific Wengi over here and a little bit of Ipe over here and some oh, white yeah. oak down here. And so that's that's the idea. It should be um, – it'll probably take me a while. Uh, Johnny Cash wrote a song a long time ago about a guy who worked in a um, car factory and he built his car one piece at a time, <laughs> sneaking him out in his lunchbox. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So that's going to be my shop floor, the one piece at a time shop floor. It'll take me three years to put it all together. <laughs> My grandfather used to tell me stories like that. He worked in uh, Pontiac Motors for years, and he always talked about stuff like that. Just, you know, the the urban legend. (laughs) That's awesome, though. Well, very cool. And congratulations on the job, man. That's great. That is awesome. When do we get free? When do we get free wood? Um, not to put well, you on the spot or anything, but you know, yeah, I'm you, working yeah. on that. <laughs> When's the, when the, yeah, the prize package, you know, I was just thinking about your little, your little patchwork. I mean, isn't that a lot of times, uh, tile, uh, guys that are doing a lot of tile work, they kind of save up those little things. You could have the most amazing wooden mural on your floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I'll send you a picture. You could probably put mine up right now that has the Christmas hat. You would love that in your <laughs> finishing area. I've already scared them with that a couple times while we've been here. <laughs> It'll be my woods of the world floor. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, nice. well, I I threw something in here um, in reference to uh, the latest popular woodworking when uh, Schwartz did his um, English layout square, mm-hmm. which, all right, I just brought up another thought. Um, for those of you that you know are following, I mean, that's probably one of the most followed blogs, the the uh, what the woodworking magazine and popular woodworking, and then right. even Lost Art Press. Mm-hmm. I imagine most woodworkers are paying attention to that stuff now. Um, I love the fact that Popular Woodworking is doing more stuff online and doing more videos. But what do you guys think about the fact that they put out a video like three months before the magazine comes out? So I've gotten to the point now where I feel like by the time the magazine comes out, it's all old hat. Because he did like two posts on that English layout square. And then the the magazine came out. I was like, oh, didn't we do this already? And um, the whole thing with router inlay on the the chest of drawers that just came out. Like Mm -hmm. Glenn Huey did his video and it comes out in the feed you know, even like two days before it goes up on the blog and to the point where I'm like, um, maybe just a little bit better coordination so that, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's anticipation. It's generating, I'm, I'm sure that's what it is. It's generating people to buy the magazine to learn more. But for me, it's almost like it blew the surprise well, what they covered in the magazine. Yeah, it kind of, it's tough because I think if you're running a production like that, I think what they're doing is great. I'm glad that they're doing it and, you know, really no one else is in terms of yeah. giving us a little inside look and a preview. But I guess you have to kind of, that's their challenge is to figure out how much is is too much. Um, how do we give a little taste of this and just give a little bit without giving them too much? And I think their videos are, you know, for the most part, they're relatively short. But if you're looking for like to open the magazine and see something for the first time, then you are kind of getting the spoiler, you know, because you are going, their, their uh, print cycle is so long. You know, you're yeah. going to see stuff while they're, Uh, working on it you're going to see it months ahead of time but i always thought that that would be a cool idea for you know like a a tv show or like norm you know norm had his uh the new yankee cam up there which was you know in and of itself was just kind of a a neat novelty for about five minutes um but i thought it would have always been cool for him to blog about what he's working on at that time so it's not quite you know not quite like seeing it all you're reading about it and i do that on my website now is i have my shop journal so I'll be, you know, I actually did a shop journal post, two or three of them about the trestle table um, about two months before, a month and a half before I actually released the video. But it was just uh, text and pictures, you know, so it wasn't quite as uh, fulfilling as watching the video itself. So I don't know. It's I'm glad they're doing it, but I think they probably will need oh, to find yeah. some balance. No question. I mean, I'm splitting hairs completely at this point. But yeah. Well, just, you're the, saying the it's kind of ruining I, the fun the for I, you a little. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's just kind of ruining the fun for you a little. You want to be a little yeah. bit surprised. Well, the reason I bring up that that um, English layout square is that was or actually is the plan for the project in um, the half lap lesson at the hand tool school. And it mm-hmm. always had been um, to do some sort of square because all of my projects are supposed to be shop shop tools to help people build out their their hand tool shop. Right. So I'd always planned on doing that. And then. Chris puts this out and it was like, are you kidding me? That's exactly <laughs> what I was planning on doing. So I actually sent an email out to the membership saying, you know, what do you guys think? And I don't want to, I don't want to repeat this. And I was really surprised. I got, first of all, I got a huge response, but I was really surprised. Most people were like, no, we want to see it done. We want to see it a, a different perspective. Right. And that, that kind of shocked me a little bit, which frankly made me really happy because it mean I didn't have to change my, my lesson plan and do something entirely different. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's, it's impossible to cover something new um, in in this community. It's 
yeah, completely impossible. Yeah. And I'm constantly finding myself thinking, oh, this would be a good project to build. And then somebody else does it, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well, let me stay away from that. Um, and it, I, you know, I guess this community just will consume whatever you put out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what you think about us. They're just not very picky. No, well, I think part of it is also that you have a camp of followers who want your perspective. And and we may be in this little, you know, sort of world of ours where we think everyone is aware of uh, of Schwartz's blog. Everyone's aware of Pop Woodworking's videos. Yeah, and uh, and it's just not true. I mean, there are segments of the community who pay no attention to that. I don't know why. And I don't know what their you know personal preferences are, but they don't. So they want to see your perspective. And if you also go out there and ask, you may only get, you know, a very small representation of the actual whole. You'll just get the yeah. loudest people. You know, so what I found is like, you're right, unless you're doing like all pure custom work, there's really very little that hasn't been done in some form somewhere before, but you can't let that stop you from, from giving your perspective on it. Right. For yeah. sure. Well, yeah. Don't expect the all custom work people. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I did the trestle table and this is just kind of um, a coincidence. I made the, the trestle table and I think fine woodworking came out with a trestle table somewhere yep. around that time. And I believe there was a, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Dan Mosheim finished a trestle table. Like this beautiful. I think I actually just posted it on my site like last week. Uh, Episode one of the Rough Cut Show. And the Rough Cut Show table. was a trestle table. Now, clearly everybody cannot just, you know, it's not, we would have had to think about it really hard to plan that, you know, but we each have different, you know, time frames, and this is just, you know, how it happened, but it's not going to stop me from putting it up there, you know? So, well, you know, this this kind of points to the fact that woodworking, when it comes down to it, the, the topics, there's a fine, finite number of topics we could talk about. But what makes it so unique that we can keep talking about them are the different perspectives and the the different little twists and turns and everything that we do on, on pretty much the same topic. I mean, there's only a few things that uh, I think everybody could look at and, and, and say, OK, there's, there's only one way to do this. Yeah. But when it comes to projects and stuff, you know, there's there's so many different things that you could do that. You know, it really does. It gives you the opportunity to to revisit it, you know, whenever yeah. you need to. Yep. It just seems, I don't know, like this whole community is like in sync with one another because it seems like <laughs> you'll see these posts that come out. And and I, I do I do read quite a bit more blogs. I think, frankly, I get a lot of content ideas by stealing them from other people's blogs. <laughs> um, but you Repurposing. Know, just, just as somebody that produces content in this community, I'm trying to keep up. And for that matter, I, I try to frequent... The people who frequent my blog, I try to get to their blog. I know how much I like getting comments, so I try to comment as much as I can because it's that warm, fuzzy feeling when you get a comment on your blog. But every time I've got something planned and every time I'm like in mid-production, mm -hmm. somebody comes out with the exact same thing. I'm like, you're freaking kidding me. <laughs> yeah. I, I have had a, um, a drawer front stringing video on the, the Heppelwhite uh, hall table I built. I've had that stringing video in queue now well, I have to finish editing it. I'll be honest. It's not ready to be published, but I keep thinking, okay, I'll put it out. And then somebody does something and fine mm -hmm. woodworking and the cover of fine woodworking is stringing inlay. Now, at least that's inlay with a router and I'm not doing it that way, but right, it's, right. it just blows me away. Everybody seems to be on the same topic at the same time, which it is a little weird. Yeah. I mean, you got, you it, just got to kind of put blinders on a little bit because how are you supposed to even anticipate that stuff? You know? You know, and it's funny because I think it's been that way for for even longer than I've been doing the podcast because I can remember it. I've always joked around about it that I would get something in my head and I'm like, man, I want to do this or I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to do that. And I swear I would go to the, you know, to the magazine rack and suddenly 
you know, it's almost like, Matt, here's that article you're looking for. Holy crap, they devoted a whole magazine to me. This is fantastic. You know, <laughs> nice. and you'd go through it. it. It just seemed like it was always, yeah, like everybody's on that same exact wavelength. It's it's yep. really scary. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Hey, before we move molding on. planes will be next. <laughs> oh, you prediction. mean about the, the big the big announcement with the uh um the, the new molding plane company forming? <laughs> yeah, that and the the highlight on Matt Bickford in Popular Woodworking, and then the shout out on Schwartz's blog about Matt's blog. Which, by the way, Matt Bickford's blog from from the Pink is awesome. Yes, very very good. I don't care if you don't want to use molding planes or not. His his um talking about how you actually lay them out and and how it's actually done is fascinating. So fascinating right. that I actually signed up for his class at the Canthus Workshop in May. Oh, so, nice. Or hate mail. Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> take very I'm... good notes and I will pay you for copies. <laughs> nice. Me? Take notes? What are you talking about, Matt? <laughs> hey, wait, before we move on, uh, the, the December issue of Popular Woodworking Magazine, um, a big shout out to uh, uh, fellow podcaster uh, uh, Bob Rosiaski from the Hand Tools and Techniques uh, podcast. Yeah, awesome. He has an article in there, The Arts and Mysteries, and he's uh, oh, a soup cool. up your song savvy. Uh, that was a nice little surprise when I opened it up. And I'm like, hey, I know him. What do I know him from? You know, why did, I'm wondering why I don't know anything that you guys are talking about. Uh, for some reason, I did not get this issue. Either my subscription ran out and I just didn't realize it, or I don't know what's going on, but I didn't get the issue. Oh, really? What's up with that? Oh, my gosh. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to call Megan. <laughs> well, and then for that matter, Wilbur Pan, Dr. Dr. Ulba, yes. Is, yes. Uh, is in the editorial section or whatever they call that section. Schwarz is opening Deal. Yeah, out on out on the limb or no, that's not the right one. Anyways, yeah, you're right. He's in there. That was awesome to see that too. Cool. Mid Atlantic Woodworkers represent. I'm missing out. What is up with that? I gotta go get my issue. I think it's a conspiracy, Mark. I really yeah. do. They just you hate, like Mark. I'll me. turn on my webcam and leaf through it for you. Oh, that'll be good. That'll yeah. that'll be perfect. Um that's our, that's the next podcast we do. <laughs> Actually, that's a good Matt idea. has the spoken wood podcast. I'm just gonna like shh. Hold it up to the camera. <laughs> Just let you read it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't reading crap. You read it yourself. The written word podcast. <laughs> I nice. like that. I like it. All right. So what is this uh, end grain oak thing I see here? Who put that there? Oh, that that was mine. Uh from the forum. This this is a while ago. This was I had in fact I had to go dig for it because I uh I had almost kind of forgotten about it. There was uh let's see, it was Don 64, something like that. I'm trying to remember to bring it up. He had asked a question regarding uh, staining oak end grain. And, and basically this comes down to one of those, I've got this beautiful project. I put the finish on. And when I look at the end grains, oh, man, they're way darker than the rest of it. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest doing? And it's funny because the same time that this topic came up, um, going back to my guest expert, Hendrik Vario, had his uh, latest DVD out. One of the things he talked about in there was staining end grain, and he has this really unusual technique for it. Typically, I think the majority of us, when we think of trying to do something to stop the end grain from soaking it up, we tend to go towards more like burnishing the end grain, mm -hmm. where we go really high grit. Uh, Hendrik, he kind of demonstrated this, he does a really neat technique where Basically, he thins out the stain so that there's more of the carrier than the actual stain pigment. And he said that he has fantastic, you know, results with it. Uh, I mentioned it in the in the forum. And I think, again, we're so used to the idea of burnishing that this is like one of those. What the hell is wrong with you for bringing this up was kind of the way I felt about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. I have to try that because, I mean, most times I do that. I'll, either, you know, sand the end grain a little bit. 
uh, one or two grits higher and right. maybe get a little glue size, a little shellac or something yep. on there to kind of just uh, even it out a little bit. Um, but yeah. I like that idea, just thinning the stain. Yeah, or he said another another one um, was just a matter of, and I'm going to try this myself coming up pretty soon, was rather even just rather than thinning out the stain, just really soak that end grain with whatever the thinner is that you would use, like, you know, mineral spirits or something, and then apply the stain. And again, it kind of works in the same way. You you have yeah. more of the thinner yeah, and it should, you know, give you the, the result you're looking for. So kind of just like preloading it, like a, just like a regular pre-conditioner, pre-stain right. conditioner would work. Exactly. Well, cool beans. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this is where things are going to get a little wacky because all the stuff we normally have there, we don't have, but we do have some audio clips and a couple of voicemails. Normally I send the voicemails to you guys. Um, but you're going to hear, I love the fact that in our show notes doc at the very, very top, instead of it saying, Mark's supposed to say this, it says eight arc. Yeah, who did <laughs> the that? letter eight <laughs> ARC. Are you like doing a Prince thing? You're going to be the woodworker uh, formerly, formerly known, known as Mark. As Mark. Yeah, you're, actually you're that gradually was... <laughs> moving towards the letter eight. And that Let's was actually uh, that, you the letter eight. That was a typo. When I went to change it from 77 to 78, I must have just thrown an extra eight in there. Alrighty. Good catch though. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Nice job, Shannon. We should have, I, we should have letters sponsored. We'll talk online. We can move towards the Sesame street thing. Then we can get Katy Perry on sponsored by <laughs> okay, we'll do the that. number eight. <laughs> That's I don't the, like the her. grand plan to eventually get Katy Perry on the show. I don't like her. She's a jerk. Uh, right. You don't have to like her. I do. I was gonna say, I you guys like her enough for for to compensate for me. Yeah, we Fair can enough. do that. Fair enough. We could just mute her. Okay, so um, this I've got two voicemails, and I thought these were very funny. So um, okay. let's see. I don't. I really have no idea what the guy's asking about. So hopefully, you guys can help me with that. All right, I'm gonna close my eyes to listen. All right, and I'm. You know, I don't know what the problem is. Every time I do this, I gotta wait for quick time to load. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here it is. Hey guys, I was wondering if you could do a little uh, segment on the thine baffle. Um, I'm a woodworker on a budget, and I'm looking for dust control. I got a shop back, and I'm probably going to do a Harbor Freight um, with a filter conversion, but uh, it's a pretty hot topic, lumberjacks and whatnot. So uh, thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Okay. I don't Did know you what you're talking about. a signed vassal? Or a fine vassal? Signed vassal. A How futile. A zine baffle? A sound baffle. Sound baffle? Is he trying to quiet it down? Um, well, here, here's the great thing. The, the best part of this the is... The fine separator. Is he, sack? Well, he, he left another message. And the great thing about this is... Okay, mind you, the first one was 22 seconds long. This one is 54 seconds long. And that, okay. will, be, that will be funny in a minute. <laughs> hey, guys. I left a message uh, earlier in the week. I stumbled across your show... And I realized that you guys kind of want to keep it short. Um, and the last <laughs> one I left was long, and I think I had my dust collector going. But here it goes. Uh, this is Will from Maine, 33 miles from Lee Nielsen as the crow flies. Um, I was wondering about the sign baffle and all the chatter that goes along with that. And uh, if you guys had any opinions uh, for a woodworker on a, bat, on a budget. Um, also, my tip is unscented baby wipes in the shop. Uh, you can buy them cheap. They work great for glue, squeeze out, uh, cleaning your hands, um, wiping down machinery. Uh, I don't know if anybody said that before, but uh, you guys do a great job. Love the show, and uh, I'm sure I'll be calling back. Thank you. 
Now, of course, that's a great tip. I, I didn't really know about that or think about uh, unscented baby wipes, but hilarious to me is the call to correct his long voicemail was about two <laughs> times as long as the short one. I, I think we should sign him up. Tom, <laughs> Ivino, you're in trouble, buddy. Yeah. Got a new tipster. Uh, oh, I just, I'm listening that just baby. cracking up. This was great. But anyway, oh, okay. we, we, we do appreciate the call. So I, I, I thought he was saying fine, like the company that, or, that yeah, makes all the, the orange vacuum. tools. But um, thanks to the folks in the chat room, I knew they would it, help us out. It, it's fine, isn't it? Fine. T-H-I-E-N. Yeah. So what I'm looking here is now, first of all, do you guys know anything about the, the sort of ruckus or hubbub or, you know, scuttlebutt that he's talking about going on with this? No, not yet. That's I'm heading over to Lumberjacks right now to try and find out if there's anything. Because evidently, none of us know wow. what the heck he's yeah, talking well, about. Well, if you Google it, there's quite a bit of scuttlebutt out there. Okay, wow. well, I'm just looking at it now. I don't know the particulars on you know this one versus other you know lid separators, but in general, the a lid separator can sort of really revolutionize you know your your sort of inexpensive dust collection in your shop. Right. So, I mean, this one looks like it's pretty seriously engineered to, to work really well. Yeah. I was taking a look at that. I mean, I have one for my system right now and I, I, it it definitely has helped to improve, I think quite, quite a lot because the, um, the, the impeller on my, uh, uh, dust collector is not getting the the workout that it used to having to like hog through all that dust and everything. But I'm kind of curious to see, but I, I saw a picture of this one. The, the fine baffle. Let me put that well, in real even, quick. Even like the cheap, you can go to like Rockler and just get the one piece molded thing that you pop yeah. down on a garbage can. I've seen right. people who use those who who love it. And even people who just grab, a, you know, a lid and punch two holes in it and make it, you know, then that's as low tech as you can get. So I think if you go to the extent of something like this that takes into account airflow and efficiency and all of that, man, I, I think that's probably a great way to go. I'm curious why there's so much... It sounds like he says almost like there's debate about it. Um, you know, it looks like a great idea to me. Right. It's on yeah. Lumberjocks. Oh, anything on Lumberjocks is a debate <laughs> or drama. I tried, to, I tried to say that quietly, but it came out. Yeah. You can't hide it. It is what it is. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, I remember the good old days. Yeah. I, my videos anymore, whenever I post them there, um, I used to get a lot of comments, and now I don't. And I'm wondering if it's because I keep calling it drama jocks. <laughs> Could, be. Could be, huh? I guess so. Oh, well. All right. So as far as I can tell, it's like it's a normal separator, but then there's a plate placed beneath it. Does yeah. the plate? It Does doesn't. It increase- okay, the plate doesn't move. I guess it just decreases the space, so it decrease increases the airflow. I would imagine it just kind of kicks up the sort of cyclonic action inside there, right? And then okay, the dust, yeah, the, because the- there's cuts. So it's almost like. All right, weird. This is all I can think of, but it's like a French press making coffee. Yeah, it's the thing that presses down and compresses everything underneath it but there's cuts placed in that press that allow air to come through and mm-hmm. it looks like because of the placement the the arc degree different between those placements is actually creating a cyclonic effect combined with the interesting yeah and then basically it just drops around the outer rim there drops to the bottom um as opposed to if you just had those sitting at the top and no bottom you know secondary plate there you've got the entire can's air volume to right. turn into a cyclone. And this, I guess, really concentrates it and focuses it to a very small amount of space. So to me, it looks fantastic. It's well beyond my you know comprehension of good engineering, you know, <laughs> uh, it, but it looks fantastic. So I would say, yeah, go for it. There's Sweet. a guy on Lumberjocks that created one, and it looks like he's actually designed it to spin. So it's almost like he's created an, an impeller. Oh, yeah. Like well, that. I made one that has lights on it and a horn. 
That's crazy. So there. I've made I've made one that can cook a turkey in half the time. Oh, it's like a, one of those rotisserie things. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, all right. Okay, so that was our and, first and it faces one. it too. Wonderful. Okay, we have two a couple more right. clips here. Where where is it? Hold on, hold on. Bear with me. We want to remind folks that, of course, that what we're doing right now is totally winging it. And so if you've noticed that it seems to be that we don't know what we're talking about, that could have something to do with uh, it. It might also just be because we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, that's why, Matt. Okay, no. here's uh, we do actually have another voicemail. Here it is. <laughs> uh, this one is by, you know what? I was afraid that we weren't going to get a, a Roberto voicemail before Christmas. And it's like, you know, Christmas came a week early. Sweet. Hey guys, what's up? This is Roberto. How are you? Hey, um, good. I have a question <laughs> concerning dust collection. I have been using a shop vac from machine to machine, and as you guys know, that's just not very practical. I'm in the market now for a portable, movable to machine machine upgraded, I guess, dust collection system, and someone's selling a ShopSmith DC3300 for about 225 bucks in my area. Just wondering, do you guys think it's a good dust collection uh, machine for, you know, individual machines moving it? I have a small shop, so you guys let me know if you guys recommend something else. My price range is three to $500, so I don't know. Let me know, thanks. Okay, so he has a very specific machine here, and I, I let me see if I can get this picture up real quick for everybody. It is the looks like an accompaniment to the Shopsmith, you know, the sort of all-in-one oh, wow. okay. dilly whacker made by the Shopsmith <laughs> people. Now, does this one turn into a fighting robot? Because that's um, that's what I've been waiting for before I would purchase a only, Shopsmith. Only if you get like two or three of them together, sort of Voltron-esque style. That would, that would be cool. Those hoses, though, and that looks like danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know what? Awesome. I, I decided to take to take a look at it because I don't know anything about this particular unit. I think he said it's running for about like two hundred and fifty bucks is what he can get. Uh, the retail on this is five fifty. So it is rather expensive. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. Number one, look at the size in that picture. I don't know if you guys can see it, but look at the size of that dust collection hose. I don't think that that's that looks like two and a half. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he's not pulling a full uh, four inch hose there. So that's one concern. Um, You know, the second thing is I'm looking at the stats. It's only 330 CFM on this puppy. Oh, man, that's even less than what I have currently. That's a little low, right? And yeah, that that is definitely. Now the I'm um, just uh, just for comparison purposes the you know newest model that Delta has for their uh, floor standing roll around dealy whacker is it's just a horsepower but it's rated now obviously sometimes you have to take these numbers with a grain of salt but it's rated at 650 CFM and that's one of the lowest ones that I could find just kind of looking on um, uh, Amazon you could find ones a little bit more um, uh, well Shop Fox uh, I'm not a necessarily i don't have much experience with their stuff but they always seem to look like the you know the cheaper stuff that you see in the two-page spread in the magazine um (laughs) but so i don't know maybe someone can tell us if this is actually a good unit but they've got one for 250 bucks that gets really good reviews it's rated at uh one and a half horses and um 1280 cfm okay you know know, airflow is everything so Right. Well, it's funny because I I went to the to Shopsmith's website and I see that they have an optional four inch inlet assembly, so you can design a permanent piping system. But they're saying in this thing that you, it also 
because of course it's shopsmith, so it has to do more than one job. <laughs> um, it says that you can actually remove the the hose, and apparently you can use it as a as a full shop air filtration system. Because it says it only takes about ten minutes to filter the entire air in a twelve foot by twelve foot shop. Hmm. So so apparently you can yeah you remove remove the hose, and you have essentially a, a yeah a, a, what would be normally like an overhead unit. Apparently this one you just roll it to wherever you want it to. No and, kidding. Turn it on and let that baby take off. But just that three thirty though, three hundred and thirty CFM is just not enough to to remove all the fine stuff from from big power tools. And maybe right. it's fine because maybe the um, uh, the shopsmith itself is designed in such a way, kind of like a Festool tool is, where the dust collection is part of the design, so that you right. don't necessarily need as much power because you're not drawing this giant open air space. Um, but I think if he's going to try to apply this to regular tools, just a standard mix of tools that we all kind of, you know, piece together, I don't know that it's going to be a good option. I think he could do better for 250 bucks. I, yeah, I, I do like that idea that you can remove the hose because at some point in the shop, you can say, don't make me get the hose. <laughs> <laughs> if you get out of control, I will go get the four inch assembly and it's all over, mister. Don't even get me started. Don't make me get the hose. That reminds now, me. The one thing that Roberto said is he's got like a three to five hundred dollar budget. Yeah, I have. I have never spent more than two hundred dollars on dust collection. Now, I mean, I obviously don't have a cyclone, but I've got one and a half horse. Yeah, and it it kicks butt for the size of shop that I have. Mm-hmm. I don't even roll it around. The sh- now, granted, I know people are going to say, but you're a hand tool guy. Um, I still suck up stuff. I still clean <laughs> things up, and I do occasionally use a power tool. Um, it's done a great job for every tool that I have in the shop. Um, and I think I spent, I think it was $200. It was a, one of those steel city, one and a half horse things. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's looking to spend and granted just because it's more expensive, doesn't mean it's better, but you can get a killer dust collection. Oh yeah. For, yeah three or $400. Once you get, so, yeah. Once you start approaching that, um, you know, $500 range, uh, Shannon, what would have been great is if you would have said, I, I never spent more than $250 on my dust <laughs> <laughs> dust collection. <laughs> I was hoping that would happen. What keeps coming up? <laughs> you know, out, out of cur- curiosity, I went over to Grizzly, and they have, you know, there's that, that small unit that I, um, I know I've seen it in some videos. It's just a tiny one. It almost looks like one of those floor blowers that you would use to dry off an area that's been soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a little bag off the side of it. You can oh, easily yeah. roll it underneath your, your bench or right. under, under another tool or something. This one's coming in at uh, 149.95. It has 450 CFM, and this this totally could work because you can easily just kick it around, roll it to wherever you need it, and it's so tiny. Once the bag, you know, when you're not using it and the bag's not inflated, um, this thing is it's it's probably about the size of my miter saw, if that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Those are good. So yeah, you've got options, Roberto. Uh, depends on how much you want to spend, but like Shannon says, you don't have to spend the full five hundred to get something uh, good. And I think even if he looks around a little bit more, he could probably find one of these units um, even cheaper. You know, for a hundred bucks, he could probably get one of these one and a half horse units. Yeah, yeah. save the extra money to buy more hose. Word. Or I'm thinking what you could do is because we've helped you to save this money, give us the difference. Um, um, I would say cool. just send it to Tom. Somebody, yeah, somebody's got to pay that guy. <laughs> Um, you know, speaking of Tom, we do have a Tom's tip. We also have a uh, tip from Adam King, who, by the way, has a brand new sort of product, uh, information product out there. I don't know. I haven't pre-listened to this, so maybe he'll mention it. Well, we'll see. Maybe he'll badmouth us, too, for all I know. Maybe. 
Bring it on, buddy. Hey, everyone. It's Adam King from The Woodworker's Journey with a quick tip for going pro. What's in a name? Well, everything. One of the biggest decisions when starting your woodworking business is what to name it. It's usually the first impression people get of you, so don't take it lightly. Make it tell a story and convey the emotions your ideal customer wants to experience with your woodworking. The right name tells your customer everything they need to convince them you're worth looking into. Also, avoid generic terms like woodworks or woodworker. It doesn't tell your customer enough of a story about you. Hey, for more help building your woodworking passion into a profitable reality, check out woodworkersjourney.com and grab your copy of the Woodworking Can Pay Your Bills e-course. And now back to the three wise men of woodworking. <laughs> That's very festive and holiday of him to say. That is. I'm, I'm going to the- start up a woodworking business. I'm going to call it Matt's Basement Workshop. There you go. <laughs> It's gonna rock. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're gonna sell. You're gonna sell furniture like wildfire. Like you know, I've always cakes. been a, a Renaissance man myself. I'm thinking about starting Renaissance woodworker. <laughs> sure. Renaissance man woodworking. Yeah, we, we could come together in a joint venture called Mark's Wood Creations. Oh, uh, you know what? That's, <laughs> like a, that's that available. Better. You're more than welcome to it. Yeah, you can take it. <laughs> you could take it and run with it. Um, but yeah, so Adam did come out with this uh, woodworking can pay for your bills e course. Uh, interesting approach. It's like a 14 day course where he emails you 10, uh, 10 or 11. I don't know exactly what the final number is, but um, these like 10 with some bonuses or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, these quick emails. Well, I shouldn't say quick cause they're rather long and mm-hmm. they have exercises or uh, things that you need to do at the end that sort of encapsulate the, the whole point so that you can just get a better perspective about what, you know, your market is, who you are as a woodworker, what you're capable of, what you're interested in. And I think uh, when I, I wrote about this on the website today and mentioned that for me, the most important thing that you can do if you're thinking about starting a business is in this very early stage, sort of a feasibility thing and see if you really have what it takes inside to make it happen. Because it is a very hard road and some people kind of go into it, you know, half cocked and it's not, you can't do that. You really have to be a hundred percent in and you have to know what you're doing. And I think a course like this, aside from preparing people who really are ready to take that jump, it might help people maybe take a step back and go, you know what, maybe I'm not ready for this. You know, so if for right. what is it, 20, 27 bucks is the price point on that? Yeah, yeah. $27.99. So, so for $27, you know, either to get some information that will help you do better in your business or to save you the heartache and hassle of finding out that you did this for the, you know, the wrong way or you went into it for the wrong reasons or whatever, um, I think is a tremendous value and, and a really good guide, so... Right, yeah. definitely. And coming from Adam, I mean, the the time I've spent with him, you know, uh, prior to woodworking in America, the, some of the emails we have and everything, uh, I, I, I absolutely 100% feel very comfortable having a guy like him telling me, you know, these are some things you should think about. And just reading that first one that came out, um, I, right now I was I was reading it before we came on here, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel inspired. I could almost almost start it, but I can't convince the family that right now is a good time. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I think what what's particularly good, I mean, certainly Adam's a professional woodworker. And um, as I said in my review that I put out today is, I mean, the guy has starved for his art, you know, any, Absolutely, yeah. was it, was it on the guild mark that that interview was, or was that live? I don't, uh, that was the guild. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, he talked about how he actually lived in his car for yeah. a while. I mean, right. the man has suffered for his art, but what I find that's different between Adam and, and, you know, other quote, successful woodworkers, Adam kind of gets the new media idea. Oh um, yeah. Big time. It's yes. not to say that some of these other guys don't, but um, you know, I think Charles Neal has done a great job with his YouTube videos, but uh, I don't know whether he quite gets it. He's got a lot of people around him who get it. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Surround yourself with good people. But um, 
Caesar said that, I think. Oop, that didn't work well. But um, see, it's all about history and wood talk. Yeah, you're, you know what you're turning into, like what happened when they brought Dennis Miller on Monday Night Football? <laughs> That's what that yeah. was right there. <laughs> Matt and are like, you know what he's talking about? Frank no. Caliendo myself. <laughs> anyway, Go ahead. That Adam King kind of gets the internet marketing side of things, um, and I think that's huge, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, if you're going to try to start a woodworking business now, um, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice to try to not sell stuff online. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a real differentiator from there, and, and I did go through all the lessons and everything, and, and I, I really agree with it. As someone who spends his day as an internet marketer, I completely agree with what he's trying to do. So, yeah, well, I think the the thing is, too, you can get into a trap if you know, you know, where a little bit of information can be dangerous. So if you know a little bit about social media and you go out there with your woodworking business and you start talking to us and people like, um, you know, just the, the whole group of Internet woodworkers that are out there on Twitter all day. That may not be the way you want to tackle promoting your business because we're the people who are building this stuff, you know, so you have to really be careful and target it in such a way that you're going to inspire clients and get people. So, you know, you can have a blog, but should you be telling people every little detail about how you build a project? Well, that's a good way to get us to talk about it, but it's not going to sell you any furniture. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's nice to have that perspective from someone who's going to sort of show you that you can use these things, but don't just kind of willy nilly throw stuff out there. Think about what you're putting out there. That's going to, fur- you know, stuff that's going to further your business. That's right. right. I mean, my idea of a successful business is the fact that I was able to purchase an extra router bit this time that I made this project <laughs> or, you know, that's that right. we actually went out and got dinner because I had a little extra money left over because I didn't screw everything up when I was redoing it and I had to use that extra 100 board feet that I bought <laughs> in anticipation of the screw up. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, so and spe- speaking of, uh, you know, um, suffering for his, uh, his his love of his passion for mm-hmm. wood and everything, uh, Adam, you know, he, he did have to suffer through woodworking in America with us. <laughs> and I still really have to give him a lot of credit. So I think there was a few moments there where any other man who would be much weaker would have walked away. <laughs> yes, a lesser man would not have put up with our crap. Actually, he fit right in, and uh, I won't yeah. take any jive from that jive turkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, you just call me a JT. <laughs> All right, so we do have a Tom's tip today. Tom's always good for uh, a quick little tip to help you in your shop. Let's listen to it in my sweet, sweet voice. Tom's tips. That's right. I said Tom's tips. Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. Tom's tips. I said Tom's, Tom's tips. tips. Wait, what's going on here? You're ruining the song. Sorry. <laughs> actually, <laughs> for the record, that would be Shannon. Actually, Matt. I was listening to it going, hey, we need to re-record this. <laughs> I got to get a right version on, with man. Shannon in there. I've All been right, watching so, the sing-off. Okay, so you here, I'll let you do it. Just do it live, though. We'll, we'll do it live. Okay. We're doing it live. Tom's tips. That's right. I said Tom's tips. Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. Tom's lips. I said Tom's, Tom's tips. tips. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's tips. It's Woo-hoo. critical that you control the board you're cutting when using table saws, band saws, and scroll saws. It makes for a cleaner and safer cut. To get that perfect pinpoint control, might I suggest you use a non-slip push stick also known as a common pencil. The eraser gives you lots of traction as you push the board past the blade, and the length gives you plenty of safety room. Might I also suggest using a full-length, unsharpened pencil? This way, you won't jab yourself in the hand. Are you looking for a good time that involves woodworking? Hey, who isn't? 
You can connect with woodworkers from around the corner or around the world at the Wood Talk Online community. Just visit woodtalkonline.com and let the fun begin. All right. That was awesome. I could not stop laughing. That was great. <laughs> you know, that's where if we had Katy Perry on, um, we could have her version of it. And I definitely would not be interrupting that at all. And I think, Shannon, you might not either. Oh, well, maybe I would. I'd be jumping in screaming. Why do you need Katy Perry? You don't like my voice? Yeah, I think I think uh, Shannon did a perfectly <laughs> Shannon, fine we're not going to get into this. Mark, stop. We're not going to get into this, Shannon. We talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have a freaking bachelor's degree in voice, all right? <laughs> well, maybe somebody should start you. using it. Don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, I got to tell you, I don't like Katy Perry ever since I saw her on American Idol. I've liked her even more since I saw her on the Victoria's Secrets thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho, I think that just about does it. And I'm pretty sure that this was the worst show we've ever done. But it feels great. So who cares? No, I think the worst is if you go back and listen to number one. That was extremely painful. Number one, I will say, was pretty darn terrible. Um, oh, I'm not talking about Wood Talk Online. I'm talking about Matt's Basement Workshop. Oh, oh. One. <laughs> actually, no. I think um, here. Let me see Isn't if I can. In the Smithsonian now. Let me see if I can find episode one. Yeah, in the basement. That's what they used to clean the floor with. <laughs> There's a point where Matt and I are kind of, you know, we had this written down. And there, there are ways to say things that are written down and ways not to. And uh, we apparently didn't get that at that point. And let me see if I can play it real quick because it should be here. Everybody hear that? Yep. You're listening to Wood Talk Online with your host, Mark and Matt. Take it away, boys. Take it away, boys. Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Wood Talk Online. My name is Matt Vanderlis, and I'm the host of Matt's Basement Workshop Podcast. And I'm Mark Spagnolo, host of the Wood Whisperer video podcast. Uh, we're both the hosts of Wood Talk Online. Now, Wood Talk Online. You know what would have been great is if we would have said that together. <laughs> I was just expecting it. was totally still. like delicious dish off of SNL. <laughs> you know what we should do is Good let's times. go back and, and I'll, I'll record my half of it and we'll just do that now. <laughs> Wood Talk Online. It's a brand oh. new podcast for woodworkers. And buy woodworkers. We need That's like right, a Mark. director's <laughs> cut version of this where you and I will talk about what was happening at this very moment. I love the uh, several times in that episode we go, That's right, Mark, or That's right, Matt. <laughs> that was awful. Well, anyway, I think that that's enough torturing people and, and ourselves, frankly. <laughs> I, I love the idea of a director's cut of a podcast. <laughs> That'll really weed out the true fans. Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't every podcast a director's cut? Like there's nobody coming through saying, Ah, that's good, let's leave that that's not so good no everything goes in it's hard to have a director's cut what gets cut out we could could do the mystery science theater um version of it yeah (laughs) of each other's podcasts there we go that would be nice oh that would yeah that would be very interesting i probably would cry most of the time (laughs) i think i think that does it for us guys i think we gotta (laughs) get the heck out of here let people get back to their families and things that actually matter (laughs) <laughs> all right well with that said of course there are a number of ways that you can get a hold of us so let's go ahead and wrap this up and remind you that you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com of course if it's going to be about how horrible today's episode was keep those to yourself please, mm-hmm, please. it's the holidays i don't want to be upset the whole entire time be nice 
Yes. Or I'll just forward those to somebody I really don't like. Um, <laughs> of course, you can also pick up the phone, leave us a message on our voicemail, very much like our good friend Roberto. And we want to keep hearing from you. Hopefully you'll find the right dust collector. Do that at 623-242-2450. You can find us on Twitter at MBW Podcast, at Wood Whisper, or at Renaissance WW. Find us on Facebook and, of course, head over to woodtalkonline.com and join us in the forum. It's totally free, so if you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? Get up in there. Around the corner. Get up in there, yo. All right. Well, I guess that does it for us, guys. Um, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to both of you and to everybody in the chat room. Thanks to you and Nicole and the dogs, too, and Shannon, to you and your wife and your wonderful dog and the rest of the family and to Tiny Tim, um, Scrooge, um, all the boats and hoes. Right. Have a good one, guys. Adios. Safe woodworking. See you guys. See ya.